This is the World War II Radio Podcast. A date which will live in infamy. This is London. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Go ahead, Berlin. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Welcome to the World War II Radio Podcast. Today, we have an episode of Your Homefront Reporter, as it was broadcast over CBS on June 10th, 1943. Sponsored by the Owens, Illinois Glass Company, this series was aimed at Housewives and aired every afternoon, Monday through Friday. It was hosted by Fletcher Wiley and offered a mix of entertainment, war news, and tips on making the most of limited resources at home. The show ran from May to November, 1943. The World War II Radio Podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production. If you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Be sure to visit our website at brickpicklemedia.com slash podcasts, where you'll find links to past episodes and other information. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ww2radio. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Illinois Glass Company, developers of Duraglass containers, in cooperation with the United States government, presents a program dedicated to the health and happiness of wartime America. Your home front reporter, with Fletcher Wiley, David Brookman's music, our singing tenor star, Frank Parker, and the lovely soprano voice of Eleanor Stieber of the Metropolitan Opera. Your home front reporter, Fletcher Wiley. Thank you, Hugh Conover. And the best of the day to all of you out there. Look, I hate to be a pest, but uh, if you expect to get that ration book number three, you better get that application in today. Or you're out of luck until the 1st of August, after the 1st of August. Which probably means that you'll be slightly groceryless for a little while. That's a good word. If it isn't, it ought to be. How much for that? So get busy. Today is 
is still the deadline. Frank Parker's song today is Mother of Mine, a tune I guess that's had plenty of readings in the family piano and plenty of hearings over the radio, and I'll have plenty more unless I miss my guest. Frank and David, Mother of Mine. something that almost everyone likes. You know, one of the most powerful weapons in wartime, and one that sometimes we unconsciously use against ourselves, is the weapon of conversation, generally called propaganda when it refers to the war. It's exceedingly potent, and it's based on a very strong, almost universal human inclination. That's the inclination to chime in with someone else when they start putting the heat on someone or repeating a story of doubtful truth. Have you ever noticed, uh, it's very irrational, that most of us are unable to resist the urge to say something critical ourselves after someone else has just said something critical about some third party, almost universally not present. In 99% of the cases, not present. 
Somebody will say, did you hear what so-and-so the dirty slug did? And they'll tell their yarn, and then you'll say, well, you know, that's funny. I heard that uh, when he was working for Joe Goose over here, such and such and such a thing happened. And the first thing you know, they've got a fine collection pinned up on this, and very rarely does anyone rise up and say, well, that isn't my experience. I know so-and-so pretty well. And as far as I'm concerned, he's a very right sort of individual, or perhaps just as frequently. I'm giving you a break there, girls. Just as frequently, it will be she with a bunch of she's doing the narrating. I wonder why it is we do not rise to the defense of people that we're acquainted with or to the discrediting of unfounded stories as readily as we get up to passing them on. But we do not. And we, we don't generally say those things because we hate someone. We're not really mad at them. Of course, you kill people just as accidentally as you do on purpose. They're just as dead. Somebody once said about fighting in a small war. They do a very little war, but they kill you just as dead in one of those little wars as they do in a big one when they kill you. And whether or not you do it from the best motives in the world... When you pass on this doubtful story about what you heard about what the boys did or didn't have happen to them or get to eat in camp, and you pass that on without knowing what you're talking about, even if you're the best intentioned, most patriotic citizen in the world, you have contributed your meat to Schickel Gruber's progress along the lines of propaganda. And you've done it because... In civil life, leaving the military and the wartime situation out of it entirely, that's what we do. We seem to go along the lines of least resistance. When we start running off at the mouth, we're like a bunch of cattle that get stampeded for a reason with which they're not familiar. We just keep on going and join in with the herd. And until something is done to definitely put a stop to it, and that's generally a question of turning the leaders, if you know anything about range cattle, Unless you can turn the leaders in a stampede or in a gossip stampede, it's a very hard thing to put a stop to. Now, when that happens to us, when we're the victims of it, we are righteously and virtuously indignant. Nothing of the sort. That isn't the way it happened at all. How in the world could anyone ever start anything and wrong anyone that was as pure as we were? You know, the, the scientific mind calls that attitude the persecution mania. That's a mental disorder. And the average person's reaction to run-of-the-mill gossip about them is a mild form of this persecution mania brought about by the emotion of self-love. Now, after all of the injunctions that we've had to love our neighbor as ourselves, and of all the necessity of cooperating, why we should run off at the mouth about things that we know so little about, why we should play with the double-edged sword of gossip, because it is double-edged, it cuts both ways, is a little hard to understand. We uh, exercise control 90 times out of 100. The other 10 times... Nine times we do an injustice to someone, and the tenth time, if we really hurt someone that deserves to be hurt, you're kicking someone that's down, and you can't be too proud of that anyway. 
There's a difference between putting in a stop to organized crookedness, such as the black market operation. That's all right. Because there you're operating against people who are trying to operate against us as a nation, as well as you and myself as individuals. We don't like that gouge of four to 14 cents a pound that they hang on something contrary to the law, and they're lawbreakers, and it's all right to bear down on them. But when that becomes a question of doubtful truth about someone's morality, about someone's kindness to their family, about someone not being as good as they should be, that's a, a, that's a matter that personal opinion can enter into. You know, people get so busy looking at their own virtues that they're very seldom interested in other people's virtues. And they get so interested in other people's faults that almost universally they're never interested in or conscious of their own. You see the faults in others, even when you love them. Did you ever stop to figure out that they see them in you? Nobody's perfect. But if we spent all of our lives going around putting the heat on everyone, it wouldn't be a very constructive world, and it wouldn't be a very happy one to live in, and we wouldn't be very happy because the... The real dyed-in-the-wool, blown-in-the-bottle, chronic gossip is always an assiduous-minded and hearted individual that isn't getting much joy out of existence. And if they keep it up long enough, they look just like my conversation sounded. Now, in a time like this, where you have an actual time of, of national stress, the line of demarcation between the gossip who talks about his or her neighbors and the equally limber-tongued talker who passes on something that she heard. I heard somebody say, then you get a long load of something that is singularly lacking in truth. Those people are dangerous. The least we can do is, is preserve some semblance of knowing what we're talking about. Don't be so concerned with it biting deep on you when they talk about you who heaven knows is innocent. But just bear in mind that the other fellow has the same attitude about himself, too. Kind of let the pressure up a little bit. That's one way of letting charity begin at home. So much for that. Eleanor Steber's going to sing now. Seems a fellow named Bartlett wrote a song called Dream, and ever since then they've called it Bartlett's Dream, and Eleanor's going to sing it for us today.
Thank you, Eleanor. I guess the uh, OPA, Office of Price Administration, has to answer a lot of foolish questions just the same as any other bureau that sets itself up to put out information has to. I see a dispatch today where some fellow wrote in, asked the OPA, he was asking about gasoline rationing, whether or not driving over to see your mother-in-law over to her house for dinner constituted pleasure driving. <clears throat> well, that's debatable. Someday I'm going to put a talk on and blow up that mother-in-law idea. After all, the number of sheets and blankets and pillowcases and odd half pounds of butter and $10 bills that mother-in-law have shed out in this country and entitled them to a little consideration, too. The OPA said, however, if you went over to eat, it, it wasn't pleasure, but if you just went over for a visit, it was. So the guy was just bad off where he started. One of the new uses that they're putting steel to is to make steel-backed Bibles. There's so many of them carried by men in the service that in order to have them holed up under the wear and tear of combat conditions, they're making them steel-backed. They're also getting back to a medieval custom of wearing armor, a new costume being worn by aerial gunners has a number of pockets in it into which steel plates are fitted so that they're virtually studded with these this protective steel armor weighs about 125 pounds they've got a zipper pull string on the thing so if they have to get out of it in a hurry they just pull the rip cord and it shakes off of them but there've been it's already been tried out in combat and while Somebody took a slug in the ribs. It lit on one of these plates a piece of anti-aircraft artillery fire. Well, it was knocked upside down, but he wasn't killed as he would have been had this not been there. That's a little touch of preventive medicine. Remember also, as a little reminder from Washington, that'll cost you five bucks to get that sticker for the windshield. You've got to go and dig another one. They go on sale tomorrow. That's the one since you had, had since the 1st of July last year. And remember, you can't get any gas unless it's there, so just count that five out of the budget also. You know, the question of inflation has produced a lot of argument, a lot of discussion as to what it is. Inflation is nothing more than prices going up, which makes money go down. Your dollar becomes worth less. And the way that that happens is a good deal like an old-fashioned auction. Did you ever drop into one of them? The old-fashioned ones are all right. Some of the newfangled ones where they're professional auctions are not so hot, but the old-fashioned ones, you generally wound up by buying somebody's mustache cup with Arthur on it and gold leaf, a grandfather's clock that wouldn't work, or a whatnot cabinet, which you got for the marvelous bargain of three sixty-five, and then your wife dared you to try and come into the house with that thing. <laughs> well, that the prices they get at auctions are brought about by competitive bidding. And if you're out bidding for a pound of bacon or a pound of potatoes, and your neighbor is bidding it up also, and you're bidding against one another, you drive up the price of spuds and potatoes. And that is definite inflation. So stay away from your black market, stay away from competitive bidding, stay away from spending that surplus and put it into war bonds. 
Well, I guess we've got to have a little song in here about this time. What do you mean, yeah, Parker? You're gonna, you and Eleanor are going to sing Neath the Southern Moon. Get at it. personal problem? You may have a little trouble of getting rid of it, personally. The government's got a fat problem, too. They want that fat that you're wasting in the kitchen. 
and they want you to save it, and they want you to turn it in. Put it in a wide-mouth container. Use a tin one and save your glass wide-mouth container for your victory garden preserving and packing. And get that into your butcher when you've got a pound of it. It's badly needed. Will you do that? Until tomorrow, then. Thank you, and good afternoon. Tomorrow at this same time, Owens, Illinois, developers of Duraglass containers, in cooperation with the United States government, send you another of these programs dedicated to the health and happiness of wartime America. With songs by Eleanor Stieber and Frank Parker, music by David Brookman, and Mrs. America's favorite visitor, Fletcher Wiley, your home front reporter. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.